Hello, welcome to TESOL Pop. My name is Laura and joining me today to talk about the IATEPL 2021 conference is Eve Conway. For new listeners, Eve is the co-founder and podcaster on TESOL Pop. We recorded season one back in Hong Kong in 2018-2019 when we were both working as teacher trainers. We are in different parts of the world now since we've both left Hong Kong. Eve is now working as a content writer and editor in the UK, where she develops online and offline materials for teachers to use in their classes. Welcome back, Eve. Hi, it's great to be back. I thought we could come together to chat because early this month, we both attended the first ever online IATEFL conference. This was my first time actually attending the conference, so I wasn't too sure what to expect. And it was your first time attending as well, right? That's right, yeah. I'd attended a regional event because IATEFL do regional events in different countries. I presented once actually in Lima, but it was the first time I'd been to the main IATEFL conference. As the IATEFL is a big event on the TEFL calendar, I thought we could address a few of the following questions. A good place to start would be, what is the IATEFL conference for those that may not be familiar with this event? What were we expecting from this year's first ever online conference? And how did our expectations compare to our experience? And finally, what were some of the key themes in this year's conference? Does that sound good? Mm-hmm. How would you describe IATEFL? IATEFL is the International Association of Teaching English as a Foreign Language. So you can become a member of IATEFL. And that gives you access to special interest groups. Special interest groups might be areas within teaching that you're particularly interested in. So teaching young learners or materials development, for example. Throughout the year, you get access to newsletters, which have interesting articles about pedagogy, events. And the biggest of those events is the conference, which happens once a year. It is the biggest event of the calendar. It's where everybody comes together and It's just a three-day program of various different talks, workshops. You can go to plenaries, you can network with other people, and it's just a chance really to connect with the broader profession. With the conference, it's normally held face-to-face in different locations around the UK each year, but this year it was online. What kind of things were you expecting from IATEFL based on like what you've heard and your other experiences you may have had? There were some question marks, really. There were some things that I thought would translate really well onto the online environment. A plenary talk, I thought, would be largely similar to how it is when you're seeing the plenary talk face to face. I did wonder a little bit about things like the exhibition hall and networking, because normally when you go to an event like this, the exhibition hall is a big physical space where you can attend booths. Normally when I'm in the exhibition hall, I always see people that I know. So you naturally just start conversations and start chatting to people over coffee. And I wondered how that would work in the virtual environment. This year, the exhibition hall, they had virtual booths. Each virtual booth was different. I visited like two or three different virtual booths and saw a couple with videos, some with people there waiting to field questions and things like that. For the networking aspect, I really liked the direct messaging feature in the platform. So the platform that they used for IATEFL this year was called Hopin, and you could direct message professional contact or the speaker, and you could actually like start conversations that way. Yeah, I was quite surprised by those different functions. I wasn't expecting that, to be honest. I did think that the plenary sessions and the talks and the workshops would translate very well online, but I wasn't expecting there to be this kind of opportunity to interact with exhibition stands. And also there was a meet function as well, where you could just be paired with somebody randomly to network. I tried that a few times and that was really quite exciting to meet some different people. 
So I really like that as well as like the chat function, like you said, during the sessions and talks, you could message and interact with others. And there's often quite a nice line of conversation that some of the workshops had going as people were responding live to what the speaker was saying and Mm -hmm. interacting with each other in in like comments and questions that they had in that chat box or on a a one-to-one level too. Yeah, I found that too. Like I was watching one of the debates one day, which was about the, I think it was titled the English teacher's job is to teach English and not values. That was the debate. And whilst that was happening, I was having a simultaneous debate about the debate in the the chat function with one of my professional contacts. So I think that's definitely a, a way how technology has improved things for the better. In terms of your expectations and the reality, did it exceed what you imagined? I think it definitely exceeded what I imagined. The tech is improving all the time, especially with the COVID pandemic. Tech has had to improve over the past year, 18 months, because we want the tech experience to either equal what we do in real life or surpass it in some way. And I think there were definitely a few things like the direct message function where it did surpass the real life experience. It also made me feel more confident to ask questions. Normally, if you're in a large lecture hall of 100 people, it can be quite intimidating to raise your hand in front of a group of your peers who you don't really know that well, may never have met and ask a question and project your voice to, to the stage. So I quite like that whole fact that you can actually just type a question. I found that more accessible. That's true, actually. I asked a few questions and I think that if I'd have been in a big lecture theatre with hundreds of people, I don't think I would have asked those questions. I'd just like to add one of the things that I was really delighted by is that they kept the social aspect. So normally there are like social activities that go along in the evening or even in the morning. For example, I went to a meditation at the Mm -hmm. beginning of the day, which was wonderful to do that focused breathing activities. And then in the evening, there was a cook along session. And on the final night, there was a music event, which I thought was just wonderful. And it really had that sense of togetherness and a celebration. I think that's really important because people get tired of processing so much information and they need the social things to be able to disconnect. I personally felt like I'd had a lot of screen time by the end of the day, so I didn't go to any of the social events. But I did find myself wishing that I'd gone to the morning mindfulness because I think that would have helped set me up for the day. One thing that was good was that you could hop in and out. So with it being an online conference, if you felt like the session wasn't really suitable for your teaching setup or your interests you could leave quite easily and just go to the other one as well yeah you can't really do that in a physical space can you um without people really noticing that it can be very awkward so overall i think we can say it was really successful conference lots of wonderful things and variety of sessions and things to do i think it's worth though acknowledging that as it was the first time it went online i did notice a few technical difficulties this didn't take away from my overall experience Some of the presenters I saw were very experienced at presenting. These are speakers that present at a lot of ELT conferences and they had technical issues with slides. And I felt quite bad for them at some point because, you know, it's not the speaker's fault in those cases. It's just something that happens. But hopefully for the next time, IATF will, will streamline that process a little bit. Moving on to our third point for today, then. It'd be interesting to know what kind of sessions you attended and whether you noticed any themes during the conference. Firstly, what kind of sessions did you go to? One interesting thing was that there didn't seem to be a clear theme indicated on the programme. So I think normally IATF will have a theme earmarked out from the beginning and a lot of the talks fit into that theme. 
but you could tell that everything had been shaped by the global events of the last 18 months. So the, the COVID-19 pandemic, for example, and just the difficult circumstances that a lot of people have found themselves in over the last 18 months. So global issues just seem to come to the forefront, inclusivity, diversity, representation of minorities in materials, global issues as a, a topic and context for materials development, the teaching of values, empathy, for example, mm. Kieran Donahue's presentation on empathy was quite a big one. I got the feeling that people really want the world to be a better place for the future based on the types of presentations that I was seeing. Are there any particular presentations that you want to talk about that reinforce these values that you noticed? It's really difficult to just choose one or two. I saw quite a lot and I think they were all impactful in their own way. I guess the plenaries are always very important because they take that centre stage. The plenary that I probably paid the most attention to is Yudit Kormas's plenary on inclusivity and supporting students with specific learning difficulties. She talked about inclusivity, she talked about how we can support learners with specific learning difficulties, problems that they might have with language learning, how to make materials more accessible, and how to support learners with demonstrating their knowledge. You know, like a student might have real difficulty perhaps getting up at the front of the class and delivering an oral presentation, but it might be much more manageable for them to actually write their answers in an online forum or perhaps in a text or something like that. I really enjoyed that plenary for the same reason. I think there was a key moment when she talked about the current status quo for a lot of schools where students are just having to try and adapt themselves and their needs to try and integrate, whereas the approach we should be taking is empathy and finding ways to make things accessible and inclusive and creating a culture around that. Judith Cormos obviously took a centre stage with the plenary session along with the other presenters. I thought it'd be good we could also talk about some of the talks because there were so many other talks and workshops over the three days. And I know we attended so many great ones. We won't be able to talk about all of them in this episode, but perhaps we can highlight a few key sessions and key takeaways that kind of reflect these themes of inclusion, diversity, teacher well-being, empathy that flowed throughout the conference. For me, I went to Tammy Gregson's session on putting me into language teaching, which focused on teacher well-being. And I just found that really profound to kind of sit in a session where people were talking about realistic development for teachers, working to people's strengths to help them feel empowered through boosting teachers' well-being. I haven't been in a session like that before. I've read books about it on classroom management. And maybe there's a chapter at the back that talks about things like burnout. So it was so nice to kind of have this approach where it's not about a teacher's got to a, a crashing point, what do you do? But instead taking a more kind of proactive approach of how to sustain and build a healthy and positive work environment and to support teachers' well-being. Yeah, I think that's really important because I think when once a person has reached burnout stage, it's very hard to pull them back from that or it's, it's a much bigger job to pull them back from that. Whereas if we integrate well-being practices into our daily life, it just makes much more sense that we avoid getting to that stage in the first place. I didn't actually see that talk by Tammy Gregerson. But if you were going to give me like a piece of advice to help support my teachers or focus on my own well-being, what advice would you give me? One of the biggest things that came through was the overall using strengths in a way that makes an impact. 
not looking at teachers' weaknesses and kind of trying to repair those. Instead, just taking the other direction. You know what your weaknesses are, acknowledging those and putting yourself in a position, either as a teacher yourself or as a director of studies, helping your teachers really work to those strengths. And that way they're going to feel a sense of success. They're going to be more set up for success and feel empowered. Mm -hmm. And just generally that's going to boost their confidence and sense of well-being. Sounds like there are a lot of practical takeaways from that session. Were there any particular talks that really stood out for you? Lots of them. I attended quite a few on EDI, EDI materials development. So there was one by Tyson Seaburn, what can we do about the heteronormative status quo of ELT materials? So he was talking about how present LGBTQ individuals are in published materials. And there was another one by Steve Brown, Beyond Empowerment, ELT as a Source of Emancipation. And he was talking about how women are portrayed in ELT materials. And that was really interesting because his argument was there isn't such a thing as a politically neutral material, because even when we try to maintain neutrality, we're acting as apologists for conservative views. But yeah, what one really interesting thing for me from that, like just a practical thing, was that he showed some images from ELT materials that we perhaps consider to be empowering for women, but aren't really empowering for women. So for example, like typical one of a woman doing a sport, he actually said, well, look at where she is. She's kind of in a studio on her own doing this sport. And next to her, we've got men doing sport in a stadium with lots of spectators and stuff. So there's that imbalance between the men having all the resources and the funding for professional sports, whereas women perhaps portrayed doing it kind of on their own at home or in a studio. One of the discussions I went to was focused on the Rise Up ELT materials or Rise Up for ELT. And I was really impressed with the work that they're doing um, as a community of writers and editors in addressing some of those issues, like you just mentioned, with those photos that we're using, the, the kind of people that we're representing in, in the course books and stories that we're sharing. They showcased a few of their course books that they've written and how they're addressing subjects such as women, Black, Indigenous and people of colour, LGBTQIA+, disabled people, working class non-conventional body types. The list is really long if you go to their website in terms of the type of things they're trying to address to make course books more inclusive and diverse, essentially. And I think their work is incredibly powerful. So in our summary of thinking about these themes and how they played out in the sessions, we've talked about Judith Cormos, Tammy Gregerson. Um, I've just mentioned the Rise Up for ELT. Eve, you just spoke about... Tyson Seaburn and Steve Brown. And so what's next? What do you expect is going to happen the next year? One thing that I thought was quite exciting was the focus on the UN's 17 Sustainable Development Goals. So these are goals that the UN have released for the year 2030. And some of these are environmental and focused on things like conserving resources, protecting our seas and things, life on land. Others are more focused on people, so equality for women and girls and gender identity. When IATEFL was cancelled last year, there was a webinar that Carol Reed gave on using the 17 Sustainable Development Goals as a foundation for project work with primary learners to raise awareness of the goals. And it was really nice this year to actually see that some of the teachers were presenting back on how they'd used the 17 Sustainable Development Goals with their classes for project work. I attended one talk by a teacher in Buenos Aires. I think her name was Vicky Saumel. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. 
she presented back on the project work that they'd done. I think her classes had designed a moisture sensor for an edible herb garden so that they, they could tell when it needed watering. So there are all these really creative ideas for project work coming out of it. And I think that that is going to become more and more popular and we're going to see more and more teachers uh, taking these goals and working with them just to create a better future, really. I think we won't just see that in the IATEFL conference, which will be in Belfast next year, but also I think the conference circuit will start to see these themes continue, don't you think? Absolutely, yeah. I think tied into that, there was the debate, the ELT debate on, I think it was called A Teacher's Job is to Teach English and Not Values. And there were lots of teacher voices coming through there that they actually disagreed with that. And they saw the teaching of values as being fundamentally important to the job. I think we're going to see more and more of these um, values-based materials over the next few years. I completely agree. I think that it's an exciting debate and I think it's good that we're having this discussion. As we think about the different skills, soft skills, 21st century skills, for example, and whole child development that goes into classes, it's not just about the language, it's about a lot of other things. So that's exciting to see. So maybe I'll see you next year <laughs> at, the actual, at the actual space. We can have coffee and cake next year as well. Oh, that'd be nice, won't it? Looking forward to it. Thank you so much, Eve. Thanks for your time. It's been wonderful talking to you about the conference. And it was just such a lovely experience as well to catch up during the conference. We could talk for a lot longer, but for the sake of this podcast, we'll, we'll leave it here. Thank you. Yeah, it's been fantastic to be back. Lovely to unpack some of what we've seen at the conference. It was just a great experience. And I'd recommend it to anyone who's thinking of going next year, but isn't sure, I'd say go for it. If you have a question that you'd like us to answer, then you can contact us via Facebook, Instagram, or the website, tsopop.com. Thank you.